what I'm seeing here are firms looking for for younger staff. No, for, they're they're looking. <laughs> that's that's a twofold problem in its own right because they're they're looking for staff. They're looking for asses and seats. They're looking for people who know how to turn on and operate a computer. Yes, and and it's the juniors, and it's junior staff that does that. But it's those and they're cheap. That's that's the key. That is the big key. So rather than hiring the Evans, the Neos, and the Cormics that are going to come with a price tag, but even though that price tag is relatively low, they can say, I can hire two or three, I don't know, Bobs to, you know, to fill the seat rather than getting one Evan. And so now I've got, you know, three people doing the work of one Evan. The problem is, is that the one Evan is going to be far more productive and your project is going to be far more productive with the one Evan than the three bops. Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast, the podcast for architects by architects, where we discuss all things about architecture. I'm Neil Pan. Each episode, Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me invite you in on the conversation as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the block more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we gather around the water cooler and talk about this profession we call architecture. It's time for some Archispeak. Welcome to episode 69 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this episode of Arcaspeak is sponsored by Arcat. Visit them at arcat.com. We'll talk a little bit more about them later in the show. But first off, I think that's what we're going to talk about is some firsts. That's right. First off. Yeah, everybody's, uh, it's that time of year. People are going back to school, first day of school, and some people got first days on the job. That's right. I hear what this was like. Yeah. So uh it was interesting, you know, it was I've been on the I guess the receiving end of people having to be the you know, it trying to find work for people to do on their first day. And um so this was the uh this was the time where I got to be the the new guy as we used to call it in the army, the FNG. And you could figure out what that means. Oh, whoa, FNG. FNG. <laughs> Can can we uh, can we say what that is? You can assume what it, you can go ahead and just figure out. Ah, oh, okay, not I got it. Taking the time to beep anything. Exactly. Yeah, all right, that's not, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so you know, um, I got there. You know, the uh, got there early, or at least got there. You know, I, I had enough in time so that I could get get in the office and not look like oh look the new guy he's late. You know. Um, Pretty much got there before almost everybody else in the office. Eager beaver there. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. So if you get there before everyone else is there, what are you supposed to do? Uh, 
sit uh, in the car, listen to podcasts. <laughs> I sat in the lobby waiting for, um, you know, the people. So, you know, you know, is, or you may not remember um, what your first day was like, but, you know, a lot of people out there have, you know, been, you know, recent graduates have gone through their first day. And um, so a lot of it is your HR paperwork, you know, filling out, you know, going through the um, employee manual, you know, sign here, yeah, sign, sign here. here, sign here, um, you sign know, here. and here. here's, here's this, you know, we'll do, we do this, we do that, you're going to do this, you're responsible for that, those kind of things. Um, and uh, that usually gives them enough time, especially like on a Monday morning. Um, and even though, say, your project manager or whoever was expecting you to, you know, on Friday, they were leaving and they were saying, okay, oh, yeah, that's right. I've got a new guy coming in on Monday. Um, rarely does does anybody really take the time to kind of prep up for having, you know, to hit the ground running. Why is that? It's Why a, is that? Because they're busy. Because they're busy. You know, it was always funny. It's just like, oh, you know, hey, Cormac, you were, uh, you're going to be doing, um, you're going to take this new guy and, uh, you know, just give him something to do. You're like. I'm trying to make stuff for me to do and I got to Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, did the obligatory, <laughs> um, the, you know, the, the guy I'm, I'm working with or working for, he, um, he walked me around the office and made the introductions to everybody. And this is an office of about say a hundred or so. They've got... Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, they've got... Uh, Are you expected to remember everybody's names? No, no. Oh, Actually... Okay. There's a quiz I'm, at the end of the day or something? I'm in what they are calling their arts and science um, division, like section, whatever. But it's arts and science, and it's predominantly higher ed uh, buildings. And... Um, you and me both, nice. I know, yeah. I, so there's... I'm, I'm filling in... You guys might want to work at the same firm someday. <laughs> Just might, just might. But uh, what was uh, what was interesting is, um, you know, it's it it's a lot like you know, Evan. It's a lot like your firm where, um, you know, there you've got all of these different, um, uh, you know, you've you've got K through twelve, you got your higher ed, you got your healthcare and stuff. And even though in your office it's what two hundred people, um, just in that particular office, um, that. It, you know, yes, me, I, I've been to HMC, so I, I know how big of a firm they are. Um, but they, you know, it's, it never felt that big. And, uh, this is another one of those places that, you know, it just doesn't feel that big. It's, uh, it's located in absolutely one of the coolest places. It's in downtown Baltimore and, um, it's in this complex of buildings that used to be the old Procter and Gamble, soap factories and so all of these different buildings i believe there's like seven or eight of them um can't be certain but each one of them are named after a product that procter and gamble made so there's the joy building the um the dove building um you know and, th and things like that so it was, it's kind of cool but it's right next door and um I think we'll probably have in our show notes a picture of the dock where, you know, you, you, you can walk up to the building and, um, there's, you know, you're, you're basically walking along the water 
and um, right next door is one of the last few um, sugar refineries in uh, in this big, huge urban setting. There's like you know downtown Baltimore with all of these high rises going up, or well, mid rises because it's Baltimore. Um, you can see all the cranes going up in the background. When you in the show notes, you'll see the picture. But um, but the the it's watching sugar being unloaded from uh, from these big, huge tankers. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting that, you know, even if you kind of somewhat get bored with, uh, um, you know, with, with the day or something like that, all you got to do is look outside and there's just so much activity on the water going around. It's on the inner Harbor of, of downtown Baltimore. So you can see like the water taxis going by and, you know, little tour boats and stuff. And there's a lot of life. And what's even cooler is so this, uh, Procter and Gamble plant, um, this, this one company, um, you guys may or may not have heard of them before, but anyway, they came in and they bought this entire area, um, and turned it into their global headquarters. So now it's the global headquarters of Under Armour. Never heard of it. And, uh, it's those sporty things. It's that sports it's, thing. Sports. Yeah. Never mind. And, uh, and, uh, and the guy who, um, guy, the guy who owns, uh, Under Armour, I uh, did a little research. I was like, oh my God, he's two years younger than me and is worth $4.3 billion or 3.4. Not an architect. Not an architect. Yes. Not an architect. (laughs) I was like, wow. But you know, so it was, it was interesting. They kind of threw me, you know, into the fire pretty quickly. Just, you know, kind of getting my feet wet on a, on a uh, project at uh, Washington university in uh, St. Louis. And um, it's interesting to see the dynamics, the dynamic of the project team from what I'm used to. And sure, there's, you know, maybe seven, eight, nine consultants, you know, on a project um, for the K through 12 that I'm used to. And most always all local. Um, I was looking at the project team and I think they may have, and I could be wrong, like, somewhere around the neighborhood of like 20, 25 different consultants on there. Cause it's a chemistry building. And so there's like seismic consultants, vibration consultants, radial and nuclear consultants. You just said nuclear, nuclear, <laughs> <laughs> nuclearer. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's like, you know, the locals, the local, uh, you know, firms in, you know, St. Louis. And then there's like a, a planning specialist in Copenhagen. And it's just like, wow, like this is kind of cool. Well, that, this sounds all very romantic, but I mean, didn't you have to like sit down and spend an hour, like filling out forms or stuff like that? I mean, you you were sleeping during that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was part of your narcoleptic, you know, thing going on there. Had, had you on mute while I was coughing. I didn't hear that. A little under the weather. Yes. That's a lot of consultants. Jeez, I mean, we're doing a math and science building too. We have a lot of consultants, but not twenty-five. Dang. I think I think this might be unusual because of um, the way that the project was gone after, or and um, so it was, it was kind of interesting. But the you know the thing that I see as you know an extremely you know positive change is for now the three days that I've been there. Every day there's been 
even if it's at a small level to the macro to a micro, there's always conversations about design, about the integration of, you know, the design of the plan and how it integrates into this. Oh, you've done this gesture. So now it, you know, informs that and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, it's been some dialogues that, you know, have been long time needing and coming. So, you know, it, it, it felt good to kind of be in a, uh, um, a very openly collaborative, uh, environment. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like, uh, I think one of the most important things about working anywhere is that you can be inspired by it. Yes. Yes. And so it sounds like you're really starting off on the right foot. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been, you know, there's, there's the, uh, um, there's, there's always challenges and stuff like that, that you normally have in a, in a first day kind of environment, you know, cause again, you're always trying to have somebody figure out what, you know, what's the new guy going to work on kind of thing. But they were ready for me and, and they, you know, kind of threw me into it. And there's a lot of reading early on of like, you know, just reading the feasibility study and, you know, and a couple of different things here and there, but you know, it was, it was always good to kind of see, you know, and then just really kind of look around the office and watch the interaction of the office because, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you're kind of taking it all in. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you're just like kind of watching the dynamics of all these like little small teams that work together and they're all huddling around desks and they're talking to each other and they're like, you know, really kind of collaborating. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was really impressive. Um, you know, it was, it was very impressive. One of the things that I enjoyed making the move from K-12 to higher ed was the, not only the level of, well, the clients in, in, at least in the region that we're working in, uh, are a level up, but the consultants were a big level up too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's definitely a level of sophistication that, was never part of or the factor of a K through 12, you know, design, because, you know, you're, you know, you, you, you got to think about all the fit and finishes, both interior and exterior of any building, but a lot of the K through 12, um, is a lot more dumbed down. You know, these are, you're trying to make bulletproof buildings that, you know, little kids can beat up on, you know, here you've got something that, you're not only trying to create a, you know, a lab building, but you're also trying to create a, you know, something that represents the, the university and will draw researchers from around the world to choose your university to, you know, to do their work rather than the next one or the next one. So, you know, you're trying to make, you know, make it this kind of like world-class environment with, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, high rent versus low rent. <laughs> well, it sounds like your first, uh, first week is a little unlike maybe, um, this article on, uh, entrepreneur architect, uh, about establishing an orientation for new employees. Uh, as, as the article states, you know, uh, you, you kind of did the first day thing where you kind of walked around, got walked around, uh, mm-hmm. introduced to everybody, you know, where here's the coffee room, the bathrooms, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but, but the article kind of has some fun here. It talks about maybe, uh, some typical, uh, 
uh, two second and third day experiences where eventually somebody comes around and maybe gives you something to work, <laughs> but you're kind of afraid to ask questions for fear of looking dumb. It, it doesn't sound like you've experienced that at least. No, no. I mean, they literally threw you in. I mean, it was interesting the very first day, you know, nearing the end of the day, um, they had had a uh, client meeting, the, I guess, the week or two prior to me joining. And um, the they basically kind of gave a debrief to, the I guess it was last week, but they gave a uh, debrief to the principal in charge as well as me, you know, the new guy, um, kind of gave a debrief of the project, where the project's going and, you know, where things stand. And um, so, you know, it kind of gave me a good opportunity to, um, you know, understand the project dynamic and, and also the team dynamic, uh, because, you know, everyone on the team was there from principal of charge down to the, um, you know, CAD guy. Um, I don't really want to call him the CAD guy. He's a project architect. Um, but anyway, so it, you know, and everybody was, you know, having a chat and even, you know, even I was getting into the conversation of, you know, um, the dynamics of the project and things like that. And, you know, it was good to see again, you know, and I, I've already said this, but it was good to see a top down, bottom up total collaboration with the team. Um, you know, the project designer, project manager, everybody was there just kind of flushing this thing out. And, you know, and it's been a while, you know, I mean, there's, you know, small coming from a smaller firm, you kind of are a little more compartmentalized in, you know, doing a project and you're kind of like either one of two people doing a project. And so there's not a lot of, you know, it, it almost feels like sometimes you're doing a project with blinders on, um, you know, and so again, this being my first experience with a large firm like this, I've always worked in smaller firms where at best I was working at a, the largest firm I think I worked for was like 30, 35 people. Um, and, uh, you know, so to be able to see how a larger firm that you don't have to do everything. And that'll be something that I'm going to have to really kind of teach myself how to do is, um, you gotta, you gotta I have rely to on rely on other people, trust, trust them. them, but also not, ha you know, get over the, the belief that I have to do. If I want it done, I have to do everything that, you know, there's other people, there's spec mm -hmm. writers, there's QA, QC people. There are, you know, there, it's a mechanism set up for success, not set up for failure. Nice. So, Okay, so let's make this the the Cormac interview show. Um, the I I want to know. I think people would be interested to know what it took to get you to switch jobs. So we've already talked a little bit about the the inspirational part. You know, like actually being interested and enjoying so far in your in your three day tenure. Um, but, but what did it take? What, you know, you went through an interview process, you have been at the other firm for six years and now you're looking at, at making a big change. I mean, and, and we shouldn't downplay it. It is a big change for you. So Huge. maybe talk a little bit about kind of what, what convinced you to go and then we can go from there. But I mean, what are the, what are some of the compromises? Like what wasn't easy to swallow about making that decision on, on top of what was really 
obvious about making the decision because you obviously chose it. You're there. So there was something that, that was like, okay, here's the pro column and here's the con column. The pro column must be way bigger than the con column, but there's still stuff in both. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, I think the, uh, you know, the, the pro column and and I've, I've already talked to a lot about, you know, like the, the team makeup and the collaboration, you know, the, this kind of like almost inherent collaboration that's built into the, um, just the way that they form the teams and, you know, the, the process of the, uh, you know, of the project and things like that, you know, and it, it may sound very generic, but it really isn't. I mean, there, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you know, this, we all know this, you know, everybody listening knows this, that, you know, when you're, when you work on projects that are understaffed, it, they're killers. I mean, they're, it's a, you know, it, it's stressful. It's painful at times. I mean, it's, you know, you you basically burn your candle at every possible end that you can. There are more than two ends. Yeah, find <laughs> exactly. You're cutting it in the middle, and you're burning it there too, and everything else. And it's just, you know, and and so you know, there's sometimes when firms are unwilling to grow and staff um, properly, you know, it 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 becomes taxing. Um, you know, and so for me, you know, I was looking for, you know, not only just a challenge, but, you know, there's, there's a time and, and you, you, you said it best that there is a, there's a project dynamic, you know, there's a design dynamic change. Uh, I don't know if I put those words in order correctly um, <laughs> at this late evening, but um, it, there's, there's a huge difference between doing K through 12 and higher ed. And, um, and it's an interesting challenge. And, you know, there's, there's a point sometimes when you really want to get into your career and you're like, okay, you know, I've, I've done this and, and it's not that you can't keep doing it and master it and, you know, like be, be one of the, the best, but then there's also the time where, you know, you think that, you know, I could do, you know, I, I don't plan on not ever doing K through 12 again. But I also think that um, there's an opportunity to learn more and um, and be able to bring a lot more to going, you know, once I go back to, like, say, doing K through 12 and stuff, there's a lot more that I'll be able to bring to it. There's a lot, uh, there'll be some different design sensibilities and things like that that I'll be able to bring to it that um, that I really am, am looking forward to embracing this. I mean, you know, I sat there and, and I'm looking at, you know, both the team makeup of this particular project I'm working on and everything. And I just realized how little I know about, you know, like sometimes architects are cocky and they say, Oh, I can do this and I can do that. Not you. And I'm sitting and I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him like holy crap I've got a lot to learn. Yeah, always. You always the older you get, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah, and it and it's and it's and to me though, but that's the exciting challenge. Is it's not something that I'm afraid of doing. It's something that you know I'm looking forward to and relishing the fact that you know this is going to be something that's going to be great. Um, I can tell the way that this particular firm in, you know, the, you know, part of this pro column is this, you know, they, 
everybody has, you know, a role. They don't, you know, it's, they don't, they don't talk about, well, this is above your pay grade. So, you know, you're not going to be involved with this conversation, even though everybody has a role, everybody's involved with the conversation. There's a lot of transparency and a lot of conversation. Um, you know, uh, getting involved with, um, you know, the level of talking through a client, you know, talking with a client about the proposal and trying to justify where the dollars are going, you know, your design dollars are going and stuff. Those were usually things that I wasn't a part of the conversation, but I was today. You know, and I thought that was great that, you know, I was able to start to see some things that even where I think that I should, you know, some of my weaknesses in, um, in my career, I think, or at least in my experience knowledge is, you know, I, I didn't, I never really got to deal a lot with the external financials, the internal, like, you know, keeping the project on budget, keeping the project on, um, you know, on task with marrying up the budget and the schedule and everything else. I worked, I I did things like that, but, you know, being able to establish the initial budget and, you know, knowing, you know, what the starting point is and and things like that, you know, or things that I was, uh, you know, typically kept out of and, you know, and, and I can kind of see that these are things that I'm going to be able to strengthen myself, you know, my experience on, and it's going to be pretty cool. I'd like to go back a little bit to something you were talking about earlier when you were talking about, uh, this is something that's come up and it's, it's the, the, the talent gap, right? So there was, there was, there was something that they realized that they kind of had to have you as what is my guess, yeah. um, because of your, your experience and you, needed a change of scenery. It's it's like when I went on vacation and I'm driving out of Southern California to Colorado, there becomes a point in the Mojave Desert where you need a change of scenery <laughs> because you get tired of looking at the same thing every day. And so, I mean, I, I totally get it. When you're working on a particular project type and a particular group of people and you're working with a particular type of client, there just gets to a point where you realize like there is so much more out there that you want to learn. Yeah. I'm wondering at this new firm when they when they're looking seriously at you and what you had to offer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, why was this so important for them? Because this has come up with with a few of our listeners in the end. We've been reading about the talent gap where there's been a lot. Of, a lot of people were laid off in the recession. There's a lot of graduates looking for work who don't have a lot of experience, and then there's. Uh, the older generation in, in the firm who don't know how to use the tools, but they've got the experience and the relationships, yeah. right? And so let's talk a little bit about the talent gap and how you fill that role and how maybe maybe let's just spell that out kind of for our listeners so they understand that aspect of job hunting and why somebody might be looking for a change of scenery that's related to that. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, focus it in on change of scenery, but um, or... Maybe I will, but well, for me, I'm I'm relating to your to project type as being a, a change of scenery, right? So, for and, and I'll I'll try I'll try to answer that a bit, use it as me as the example, but not to be too specific in certain aspects. But no, but, just speaking from yeah, just speaking from your experience. So when you know when I was um, when I started looking around, you know now you know here I am 
you know, been a project manager for going on the better part of a decade, decade or so. And, um, actually even longer than that. And, and really my project management role has been something very different than a lot of people have been looking for, especially in larger firms. And in fact, I've, I've went on a couple of different interviews at a couple of different firms and it seemed like I was almost a, a weird anomaly of a, of a, uh, of a project manager where they're used to, you know, somebody who's got a compartmentalized, you know, set of knowledge that, you know, yeah, they moved up from, you know, I was a, you know, an intern to a project, a junior project architect to a senior project architect to then, you know, into, um, project management. And even though they've gained some of those skills, um, to get to, you know, becoming a project manager, a lot of times they've left as they've been, you know, stuck in being a project manager for the past, you know, decade or so, they've left a lot of the, you know, earlier knowledge behind and the technology has changed and, you know, the building types have changed and stuff like that, but they know how to manage a project, but maybe not really know how to you know, kind of do the inner workings of, of what their staff is going to be doing. And the good thing about working at such smaller firms is when I say I'm a project manager, <laughs> I am the intern. I am the junior project architect. I am the senior project, uh, you know, architect. I am the project manager. You know, I am the spec writer. I am the, you know, the one who puts together all of these different things. And so there are, there are those guys out there. There's guys like me who are out there, you know, um, that during the recession, I was, you know, me during the recession, I was working on my own and, um, you know, I kind of, I had to fire myself. <laughs> I had to let myself go. <laughs> um, but I was, I seemed to, I seemed to have a set of skills that was marketable enough that I could take a diminished role, but be able to fit in to, you know, almost any one of the needs that firms that were actually hiring were looking for. And that's, and that's something that's interesting because so when there's a lot of, a lot of people like me who got laid off during the recession, who had that certain set of skills it took them a long time to find a job. And sometimes the profession has kind of left them behind. Um, and so you've got the people who are there that are more senior and they don't understand Revit. You know, let's just use that as an example. They, they don't know how to use Revit or they don't know how to use like Photoshop project, you know, um, you know, the Adobe um, products and stuff like that. And, you know, so they don't understand how some of this stuff works. And they've got kids who are coming in who just recently graduated. They know all of these projects, you know, the um, programs, but they don't know how to get a project moving and going forward. And so that, that kind of middle manager of the eight to 10 year kind of person that has that, understands all of the programs and understands pretty much more or less our, our project managers in their own rights. You kind of speak both, both sets of people's languages, right? Exactly. 
but those guys right there were the ones that were laid off because they were the salary that it was hard. It, I could almost guarantee that it was probably very hard for the firm to let them go, but they could hire two or maybe three interns for the price they were paying for one senior project manager. And so, or a senior project architect, uh, you know, kind of that, that middle guy. And so they let the, the, the knowledge base go to get production work, but like the production work doesn't have a direction because the project manager doesn't know how to talk to guys who don't know anything, but only know the program. And so it's kind of a, yeah, they haven't put a set of documents together. Right. I mean, exactly. As an example. And, and so they're like, okay, well, you know, um, you're, this is your first day at work. I want you to draw some toilet room plans. And it's like crickets, crickets and you know, so there's a, so there's a, you know, that interesting, um, so when I was interviewing, um, it was kind of interesting because like, you know, they were, a lot of times people were asking me, it's just like, okay, so yeah, I see this project that you're presenting to me as, as your work. What was your role on that project? And, you know, um, I say, well, you know, I was a project, uh, you know, I, you know, they're like, well, what was your role during uh, design? I was like, well, I was the project designer, you know, I, I designed it. And they're like, okay, so when you finished designing it, you turned it over to the, you know, the production staff. Like, uh, yeah, I guess, but I was the production staff. They're like, oh, you did the production too. I'm like, yeah. And like, okay, well, tell me about the production. It's just like, oh, so once you got through DDs and stuff, where did you like pass it on to somebody who detailed it out and got all of the you know construction documents pulled together and you know on out? And I was like, no, I did that too. And and then they're like, okay, well, you know, tell me about you know how you um, you worked with uh, you know your spec writer. Uh, I was the spec writer. <laughs> I went to rcat.com. Exactly, <laughs> went to rcat.com. Um, a lot of times, but you know, it was, it was kind of interesting because so like these larger firms have roles defined. And so, you know, it's, it's, it is the assembly line, right? It's the assembly line. And, and so they were, you know, they weren't quite sure. It's like, okay, well, well, where do we put this guy then? Yeah. Cause you know, if he's not managing a project, which he's been doing, you know, is it, uh, they, you know, they're like, well, you know, if he's, going to become a project architect again you know is that like does that knock him down to um you know is he going to feel like he's being demoted and um you know or you know we, we don't you know we're not staffing for project managers because the associate principals are the project managers and we're not hiring him as an associate principal, but, you know, it kind of thinks so. Was, they don't know what to do with you, but they know that they can't do it without you is exactly. kind of the position that you get, that you're in. Right. And that is a great position to be in because you actually have some say in your path moving forward. Absolutely. Because then they know that if they're going to tell you something, they know you understand exactly what they're saying because yep. you used to give those same direction kind of thing. Um, you know, so I guess I don't really have a defined title per se at my new uh, firm. Yeah, I Good. guess it's, Jeez. and and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades sort of thing, you know, and I'll Swiss army knife. How about that? Ex there you go. The Swiss army <laughs> knife is perfect. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, it's 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 going to be interesting how it develops. But you know, it's something that they know that I have all of these different skill sets, and you know, I'll be able to, you know, so they'll be comfortable with basically giving me any challenge. Yeah, I think we could probably take a break and talk about our sponsor, but just as a kind of a summary there for people who are young in the profession, I mean, basically what, what you're hearing is learn everything you can about as much as you can. And working in a small practice gives you a ton of different types of experience. Yes. And, uh, you, you get a, a lot of experience in a lot of different ways and it does sound kind of daunting, right? There's, you're, if you're doing so much on every project, it sounds kind of overwhelming. But I think one of the things that, that architects kind of suck at is asking for help. And there are people in these firms who, if you ask them for help, they'll help you. And if not, go somewhere else. Yeah. So what about our cat? Our cat, would you like somebody to draw CAD details for you? How about create BIM objects for you? Maybe even write specs for you. Would you like someone to do this all for free? RCAT has already done this for you. Search the RCAT libraries for these products and more, free of charge and no registration required to download the content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building products information fast and hassle-free. Check out RCAT today at ARCAT.com. And we want to thank RCAT for continuing to sponsor the ArcaSpeak podcast. Thank you, RCAT. Thanks, RCAT. And thanks for sponsoring most of my search engine knowledge. <laughs> you know, and it's actually that's, but see, you know, things like Arcat, you know, we, you, we're old enough to remember the old suites catalogs and stuff like that. And they're long since gone. Um, and there is suites online, but that's going away too. But, you know, you've got, you know, Arcat who literally does have, details and specs and in all of these things that you can pull down from their website that you're pulling down not from RCAT, you're pulling it down from the manufacturers and RCAT's this you know good one-stop shop to be able to find all this stuff they're a hub and it's you know and these are valuable tools because um it's a it, it I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times they've bailed me out. In do you value your time? That's the question you have to ask. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's oh well, you know, let me go search this project and see. I, I think there might be a detail like this. You know, no, you can go to the manufacturer and and pull down, you know, pull down from their website the actual detail that you really want to have, and then pull down the specification of that actual product that you want to specify. And it's right there. I mean, there's a lot, you know, there, there'll be some, a little bit of editing in the specs, but you know what? You're at least editing the latest and greatest spec and not saying, um, you know, not something that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I remember one time I was, uh, um, during an addendum period and you know, they were, they were, all these bidders were having all of these questions and some RF bid uh, RFIs came in and they're like, you know, in this particular uh, specification, you've, uh, you're calling for this and this and this. And do you know that all three of the manufacturers that you're specifying are all out of business? Like you stupid architect. Interesting. <laughs> you know, and they're just like, yeah, this guy right Oops. here, this one, he's been out of business for 12 years. I'm like, Oh, 
that's Jeez. bad. Thanks for checking. Like, thank you for reading the specs, and I wish I would have done the same thing. And you know, <laughs> with our cat, you're you don't get caught with that. You're you're literally pulling down the people who are still in business and you know you're using the latest and greatest um in the in the material technology and uh detailing go to arcat.com check it out they're a lifesaver and a time saver all right so back to uh back to one of my earlier questions that i don't think we really got to but what made it the hardest what was the hardest thing about leaving a firm and what what are the compromises that you made or the things that you saw as compromises to make the switch? Well, I'll tell you the thing that was the hardest for me is and one of the reasons why I was there probably a little bit longer than I should have been was the uh, convenience of the fact that I lived 12 minutes away. It was seven mm-hmm. 7.1 miles from exit one to exit eight on uh the uh the local you know interstate here and it was that easy i could i was able to take my kids to school um and still make it to work on time and probably be one of the first people in the office um and it just it was so it was there was a level of convenience a level of being able to well if i needed to go home for lunch i could because you know i mean Get an hour lunch, you know, 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back, got a half an hour lunch. You know, that's great. Um, could eat lunch with my wife when, um, you know, when she was available and, and it was, it was fantastic. This is not going to be the case. I'm going to, I sacrificed commuting time. So I've now given myself a 45 minute commute, um, from where I'm at down in the DC suburbs to Baltimore, which is about 35 miles. Mm. Um, and it's straight up, you know, interstate 95. And, uh, it's really not that bad of a commute there and back. Um, it's, I'm going against traffic, so it's really not that bad. And it's optimal time to listen to your favorite podcast of maybe three guys talking about architecture, maybe, you know, um, but uh, that was, you know, that's that's really one of the bigger things, you know. And then, you know, <laughs> even bigger than that is, you know, the camaraderie and friendship that I had there. You know, I mean, it's there for six years and I saw a lot of, you know, people come and go. But, you know, I also, you know, made some, you know, lasting friendships. And, uh, you know, they're, they're still there. They're still chugging along, doing their thing there. And um, I don't get to see them every day. You know, so that that's a that was something that's kind of hard, you know, and now I have to, you know, basically meet a whole new group of people that, you know, I'm going from 25 people to 105 people. So it's a, you know, it's um, yep. it's it's going to be, a, you know, it'll be fun. You know, it's, it's going to be fun to get to know other people. You know, it's, I, I won't have the same conversations that I have with them until I kind of find out and figure out who they are but you know it'll it'll still be kind of interesting what did it take to get out of your comfort zone um because i think that's a big thing that keeps a lot of people where they're at it's just you're you're in this mode of repetition it gets easy at some point and then i think it, that's called routine yeah so so what did it take for you to break out of that i mean was was that uh, a big factor for you or not 
Yeah, and, I, and without getting too deep into you know, like real particulars of of why I left, I, I think that I've never really necessarily been a, a routine kind of person. I mean, hell, talk to my sergeant in the army. He uh, he kind of wish I was, but I wasn't. And I was always looking for the new challenge, the new push, the new. And a lot of times, the routine to me felt a little too. You know, it, there were there were times when you know you you know um, we all feel this that there's a time when you need that break, you need that vacation, and um, you know it was it was becoming a little bit more frequent with me that you know it was just the the monotony of the similarity was um, was was really kind of grating on me that you know there was no development of the challenge, there was no um, what's next kind of thing or, or what can we do better or what can we push harder and things like that. And, um, and, and it really, you know, it it was something that I needed to, you know, challenge myself because I'm always wanting to learn more, wanting to grow more and wanting to contribute more. And a lot of times when you're not able to like grow within your, you know, where you're at, um, that's, it's, you know, and in, in you see or have the opportunity to go to a place that is not only, um, uh, you know, a collaborative place that, uh, you know, is, has got a lot of different, t- you know, project types and stuff that you will be able to work on. So you're not just working on the same thing, the same routine and, and things like that, but, you know, you're able to grow with different project types, but you're also able to grow within the firm. And that's that's important, especially, you know, at yeah. my adva- my advanced um, experience. <laughs> it's just you know, I mean, there's you know, if if there was no opportunity for me to grow within you know where I was at, um, it it was important to me to find a place where I was able to grow, where I was able to contribute, where I was able to be valued. Um, and I think that's a big part, big one right there. Yeah. My, my alarm went off when you said that <laughs> feeling valued. Yeah. Feeling valued. It's, it's, it's extraordinarily important. And, and, you know, it's something that a lot of times people sacrifice. Um, and a lot of times people, especially, you know, when we were coming out of the recession, we sacrificed a lot because we had a job and we were the lucky few that had a job. You were also the lucky few who were told to be lucky that you had a job. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was getting there, and a lot of times you were reminded yes. that you were very lucky that you had a job and shut up and do your work. And and here's your yeah, pay cut. Yeah. Be happy. Oh, and don't worry. You know, I mean, you won't get a raise, but at least you're getting a paycheck. You know, or don't worry, you're not going to do this, but at least you're getting a paycheck. You know, kind of thing. And you know, there was a time when. um you know, the lucky few that did have a job, um, they were, you know, they were basically abused. They were like run into the ground. And, um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, almost got to a point where they resented the place because they always held this, you know, know, you're lucky you have a job. You know, there's so many other people that if you don't, you know, if you're not happy, I can, you know, get rid of you and go get somebody else, or I can go get two of, two of somebody else that'll work for half the price that you do. And, you know, it's good to have a plan B, you know, and so it's just a, 
you know, if they're talking like that, if they're like, you know, well, um, you know, we really can't, we really don't care if you're here or not. Um, that, that really kind of, <laughs> really kind of puts a, uh, an inter, you know, and this, this is, you know, just, just talking in a general generalities. Uh, I, I'll worry about English later, but, um, you know, where, where there was a lot of, you know, I, I heard so many story after story during the recession about, you know, basically employee abuse, <laughs> you know, where it was like, you just shut up and be lucky that you have a job. And, um, and it never really, you know, even now in our good times, a lot of those people are, you know, like, well, you know, they really, all they really cared about is me just, you know, cranking out their projects and stuff like that. Never really did any professional development or enrichment or, or there was no promotion for me or anything like that. You know, I was just their cog. Um, and, uh, you know, and so the, you know, they, that's when, you know, when you, when, you know, when you're not shown any value for what you do, um, or what you contribute, you know, the value of what you do is the the check that they get from their clients. I think that's a I think that's a really uh, tough thing to deal with as a leader uh, because standing in their shoes or trying to, uh, I think that being the leader in those times is really tough because all you're doing is dealing with problems, right? Yeah, it's day after day of the most mind numbing, back breaking problems that you're dealing with, and you are stressed out. And beaten down, you've got to feed the mouths of how many people who work for you. And all, if all you're hearing is complaints, and it's like, oh, would you please just stop? You know, aren't <laughs> can't you just be happy you have a job? And and all that is is it's a little bit of like crankiness, right? Yeah. Because it's like one more problem to deal with now is that somebody's uh, fed up and, and ready to move on, and and all I'm trying to do is keep keep them getting a paycheck. I think that that that's a really hard position to be in. So I don't want to sell them short. Uh, but at the same time as employees, we all want to feel like we're valued and we all want to feel like we're contributing and that, uh, what we're doing is appreciated. And, uh, I don't think anybody expects a bonus. Maybe they do. Um, but they, I don't think they should, but, um, well, at the end of the day, if there's no money, not enough money coming in, it's not going to happen. But that was then, you know, and, and I do think that times are getting better. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at the, you know, what is it? The Dodge report when they're talking about, you know, architectural billing has been up, you know, for the past few quarters and things like that. And, you know, you are starting to look at the job reports and you can see that a lot more people, there's a lot more people looking to hire. Um, then you know that the environment's getting a little bit, a little bit good out there. I think they're still digging themselves out of the holes that they're in and paying off their debt. <laughs> Could be true. Yeah. But and and that and that's true too. And and you know, and there is a little bit of give and take between the employee and the employer that needs to happen, but I also think that firms are actually in a good position to be able to pick and choose, you know, the best of the best in the talent, you know, pool. But because the you know when you're going after like you know higher level you know project architects and project managers and things like that and everybody's looking for project architects and project managers you probably are going to need to kind of up the ante a little bit and and 
to use the good old term of showing them the money, you got to kind of, you know, show them what is, <laughs> I hate to say, what is in it for them. Well, but what's going to attract, what's going to attract those people? You've got right. to be able to differentiate yourself somehow to say, this is why you need to come work here. I'm, I'm totally realized. I know I'm playing both sides of this, but oh, it, and you should be, and yeah, I mean, we, we have to be able to see as architects, so we, we have to be able to see multiple sides and multiple facets of all these problems too. It's the same thing with, with the businesses that, that we're either running or, or working within. You've got to be able to see both sides yeah. so that you can really tell the whole story. I mean, and you know, I can't, I can't even imagine, I mean, you know, when I was, when I was on my own, well, not really on my own with me and you know, me and my uh, college buddy, and we were kind of on our own trying to, you know, weed our way through as just, you know, young, dumb designers. Um, and it was hard to, you know, keep that whole, um, you know, keep that stuff going. And, and it was, you know, just to keep two mouths feed or fed that was, it was, it yeah. was tough. And so, um, and, you know, in these firms that are like hundred to 200, 400, um, you know, I mean, that's, I, I couldn't even imagine the amount of, of stress and the, you know, the kind of feeding of the machine yeah. that has to go on there. Yep. The pressure. Yeah. Lots of pressure. And so, yeah, you know, the, the triviality of a, you know, one guy kind of complaining about, you know, oh, I really wish I had a raise or something like that. Um, you know, kind of, you know, wears on, you know, the, the uppers, but you know, it's also, you know, maybe take a look and, Maybe see what that one guy has been contributing and, and maybe, you know, maybe it's time to see what you can do to, you know, if you can't give them money, you know, there's, there's always this thought, you know, and it was something that, you know, my old business partner and I would always discuss, but, you know, there's, if we weren't able to give raises or bonuses or things like that, if we ever, if, you know, we had survived and, and we ever grew, you know, we wanted to show them, you know, how they were valued other ways, like, you know, giving them, you know, pay, you know, extra paid time off or giving them, you know, maybe closing down the office or going on, you know, an architectural trip, you know, where, you know, we would be able to, you know, just kind of like kind of recapture everybody's inspiration and things like that. So you may not be able to like, you know, show them the money, but you may be able to show them their value in other ways. And, you know, and that's when you can look at firms and you can kind of like, you know, great thing about, you know, um, people who are out there looking for jobs is they can go and look at how, um, you know, what's the activity of that particular firm on social media? What are they posting on social media? If there are, you know, and now we're getting to a world, you know, it was, it was interesting, this, you know, new firm. You know, I, I, I posted something about them, you know, because they had just recently won an award. And, and even before I started working there, I had posted something about them. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, thanks. You know, you know, thank you for the uh, for the tweet. And, and they were just like, we noticed that you've got, you know, like, got like 200 times more followers than they do. And they're just like, well, you know, how do you, you know, so they started like asking me how to help them out, you know, with getting tweets and things like that. And I was like, just, you know, let, let me get kind of uh, entrenched here. And, the, and then I'll, uh, then, you know, I'll, I'll start helping you out with social media and all, all that other stuff. But it was, 
you know, you can you can look to see what the firm does as, you know, kind of like this enrichment above and beyond the paycheck. And um in in a lot of these, you know, like we you know, we met some great firms down in Atlanta during the AIA conference that does, you know, that very thing. They take they take their um their firm and their families on like three day retreats into the mountains and you know, and has, you know, great time. And, and that's a great way to show the firm the value that they have. I mean, today I was invited to go and join the uh, baseball, um, I mean, the uh, softball team. Um, now, granted, they only have two games left, and I, uh, I w- uh, worked a little late today, so I wasn't able to. But then there's the, you know, they're coming up on, they're having a, uh, um, a night out at, the, at an Orioles game, you know, I mean, that's a great thing to do, you know, to kind of promote, you know, team building within the office is just, you know, show, hey, you know, we want to give back to you. We, you know, we know that you guys sacrifice a lot for us. We want to, you know, sacrifice a little bit for you and show you how much we value you. Granted, it's again, the game is the Orioles against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. And I'm going to be clad in the Rays gear. I might be setting a bad. Uh, That's a good way to know. set a, a a good team building experience there, uh, Evan or uh, Cormac. Cormac. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, everybody's going to be clad in their orange and black for the Orioles, and here I'll be uh, strolling out in my um, uh, my Carl Crawford number thirteen uh, Rays jersey. Granted, he doesn't play for the team anymore, but anyway, I'm going to be sporting my Rays. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> Co sports, yay team. Well, I think that's actually a good place to wrap this one up for the for this one. Um so Thanks for sharing all that stuff. I think it's all it's all really good. Yeah. And I mean obviously this is just the beginning and yeah. and either either you'll love it or hate it, but either way I think it's admirable to like take a jump and and move to something that's completely different but related and I think it's a, a great new start to a new adventure. Yeah, and I'm, I, and I've been working on two blog posts that you know my um, ever so fledgling you know uh, blog that I keep trying to keep up with but just can't or wasn't able to. Um, but I, I think they're they're going to be. I bring them up because you know one is um, titled you know the right time to quit. And then the other one's, you know, basically titled The First Day. And, you know, and it basically it's going to expand a little bit more on kind of the conversation that we've had. Um, and, uh, you know, so, but I, but I want to I wanna put it out there and then I want to link it to, you know, the Arca Speak page. But I want to have that conversation with everybody, you know, because, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, in the last show, we talked about, you know, the times to quit. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, today about, you know, the, the, the first day, um, and, you know, in, in the past few, was it three, four that we've talked about, we've talked about, you know, jobs, you know, kind of like leaving jobs, looking for jobs, the right jobs and things like that. And I think the important link between all of these shows are, is now is really a good time in architecture to be looking for jobs and looking for the right job, the job that fits you, that is, you know, that fits who you are, who fits what you're looking for. And, um, you know, I mean, if we can kind of shed any bit of light to help you guys take a look at 
what might be the right fit for you. Even if we're not telling you specifics, we're kind of telling you what the the overall reaching of like what is what exactly should your you know you should be doing for both your career and the profession. I th- I think you know. I, I, th- I think these have been some good shows that we've been, you know, throwing out there recently. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So if you've got uh, some questions or want to add your own two cents to this, uh, please visit the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com. And there you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcaspeak Podcast Facebook page. So you too can join in on the conversation and always remember if you've got some inspiring tale uh, to share, maybe you've recently changed jobs yourself and have a first day experience you'd like to, uh, to share with our listeners. Um, remember you can always call Arcaspeak podcast at 415-484-8496. And, uh, if it's okay to share on the show, let us know. And, 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 uh, we can do that. Uh, we, we enjoy doing that. Uh, plus the Google translation of, uh, your, Message is always a, a lot of fun to read. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and also to just a reminder, if you haven't already done so, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it really helps uh, others find the find the show. So, and uh, lastly, a shout out to our cat for uh, sponsoring this episode of uh, of Arcaspeak. You can find them at a r c a t dot com. So visit our cat. Um, and uh, let them know that you heard about them on the show. And thanks, everyone, uh, for listening, and stay subscribed. And join us on Facebook and Twitter for the conversation. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, you can bet I-
Thank you.